My name's Joe Keyport, and you're listening to the Ear Coffee Podcast. For this week's episode, I talked to three members of the band Vin about their debut record, Granule. The record was released in early September and blends elements of post-hardcore and progressive rock. It serves as a brighter, more hopeful answer to the band's first two releases. If you love loud music, you'll absolutely love this record. It's Vin, right here on the Ear Coffee Podcast. So today I'm joined by Gordon, Wyatt, and Jason of the band Vin. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. Partying hard. A lot of rock horns. Appreciate you joining me here on this Saturday. I know Wyatt's been awake since 6 a.m., so he can catch soccer or football uh, (laughs) for the purists. Um, let's start off here. Tell me a little bit about y'all's history with music. Um, I always like to know when people started getting into music and when it went from the bedroom to playing in front of people and playing loud music. So yeah, you want to start there? We can, I don't know if you guys want to just figure out who wants to go first or. Oldest to youngest. Wyatt. Okay. Um, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I'm bad to death. Uh, no, it's. Um, I started playing bass, I think, spring of 2001 when I was in fifth grade. My parents gave me an ultimatum. like, you're going to learn an instrument. And it's a Hard Times article. I was like, well, bass seems easier than piano, drums, or guitar. So I'm going to play bass. <laughs> I ultimately did learn how to play guitar and drums. Uh, so I was just, you know, dinking around, mm-hmm. taking lessons. Played in some shitty high school bands that aren't worth mentioning. Uh, and then the first band I was in that was actually half decent was in 2015 i joined the way away they are now defunct local pop punk band and we peaked when we played uh warp tour on the all stage oh hell yeah and then uh quit that band because i wanted to play bass rather than drum i was in a group called psychic stare that was that did stuff but never really went anywhere and then i quit that band to do vin and then later charlie doesn't surf mm-hmm. that's what i'm doing now and uh i got into music the thing that made me want to play music was i was my parents were playing the rick springfield greatest hits album when i was <laughs> like nine years old in the house and we i went to see him at a county fair and i was like that's cool i'm gonna do that nice and here i am i started playing rick springfield and now all I'd do is listen to Dance Gavin Dance and try to write chug riffs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my story. Um, Jason or Gordon? <laughs> I suppose I'm the next in line. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started playing guitar when I was like, just before I turned 18. So it's been, fuck, 11 years now. (laughs) Um, I remember going up to go deer hunting with my father, and we stopped at Best Buy on our way, and he bought me Black Sabbath self-titled full length, and we listened to that, and I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Anthony Omi is incredible. It's a dangerous (laughs) record to to give a child. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, 
got my first guitar and took lessons for about a month, hated lessons, and it's like, I'll just self-teach. And, uh, yeah. Okay. That's where I'm at. Um, <clears throat> what got me into loud music, I was in this really shitty scene band um, called Broken City Skies. Dare I mention them? Um, <laughs> and then after that, I was in Infinite Me for a short while, and then took a hiatus from that. Ended up not going back, and Jason and I started Vin. Okay. And then Jason? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I started playing. Uh, I started on bass when I was uh, in the seventh grade. So I think I was about twelve years old. Um, my brother had been playing guitar for a few years prior, which kind of inspired me to uh, want to play as well. And uh, bought my first bass. It was a, a, a combo bass and amp uh, from Dean. It was just a shitty, shitty beginner bass. But uh, my brother and I had a uh, uh, like a collection for buying an Xbox, and I convinced him to let me take that money to buy a bass. So thanks for that <laughs> but uh yeah so i started on bass played that for a while and then um transitioned to uh, you know noodling around with guitar a bit uh, at that time and then uh ended up picking up drums from uh playing rock band because i was like yeah drums are fun and uh my brother kind of forced me into playing drums so we could start a band together and uh we did that um pretty heavily throughout uh my high school career and whatnot up until the last few years uh so i've been playing shows since i was 14 mm -hmm. years old or so and then uh had been playing guitar intermittently while doing all that and then i'm uh, just kind of really focused heavily on guitar after high school or just after high school and uh so try to keep up with all three drums guitar and bass but uh, i spend most of my time playing guitar and mm -hmm. uh kind of led us to where we are now Okay. So when did Vin form? Like, what was the year Vin started? Yeah, Gordy and I met... Well, Gordy and I met other, yeah, officially Vin started in 2016, but uh, Gordy and I had connected, I believe, in 2015. Um, it was me, Gordy, and our mutual friend Taylor, uh, who was playing drums. Uh, they needed a bass player. So, Gordy, I don't really know how... I think Taylor reached out to me, and then we kind of just jammed and uh, we had a good time. And then we had kind of jammed back and forth a few times after that, but uh, kind of fell away for a little while. And then, yeah, Gordy and I came back together in uh, like early 2016 and kind of started it back up again and uh, reached out to who I knew, Jake, uh, our drummer from uh, high school. And it just kind of formed a beautiful relationship from there. Okay. And Wyatt, you weren't the original bassist for Vin. Um, you kind of came in when you came in 2018. Then, yeah, I started jamming with them late 2018. Their the first bassist uh, Nick Hilton was a, also a good friend of mine. I'd known him for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, he played on the first two EPs. With did really great stuff. So I was learning his parts in 2019, and we had a couple songs off Grand that were. I think it was one or two of them. I think Sunburst and one other that were pretty much done. Quiet. With Nick. Quiet was the other. Those two were pretty much done with Nick. But then as I was onboarded, I kind of did my own thing with it. And it 
you know, became mm-hmm. became a thing. I'm not, I'm not really answering. I don't know if you even had a question. I'm just kind of no. speaking on being. In, but no, I I actually was almost the original bassist in Vin. Oh, really? But yes, uh, I was talking to Gordy. It was probably a Minnesota music. I just responded to a post or something. I'd never met him yeah. in person. Or if I had, I didn't remember. Um, but I couldn't get out to Anoka because I did not drive at the time. <laughs> but... As of one week ago today, you have a car. <laughs> I am a real boy now. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so I can drive places, but yeah, and it didn't work out at the time. But that's that's great because, like like I said before, uh, Nick did a great mm-hmm. job. I respect him. What what he he got Vin going, and yeah, I'm just happy to be a part of it now. Okay. Um. Initially, since uh, those early like early formation of Vin, are, were you all writing collaboratively, or did someone have like a bunch of songs that kind of you you know as a songwriter or person who plays music, you always if you write, you typically kind of have that like garage band folder or whatever DAW you use that's just full of like demo ideas and whatever. Did was that around before <laughs> Vin started, or did like um, you start writing pretty collaboratively right away? Yeah, it was it was pretty collaborative. I mean, Gordy and I really found that uh, we just kind of locked in with each other's um, style. Like, it was really we kind of kept saying that we were like guitar soulmates because uh, we just like really locked in with um, the kind of vibe that we were both, I guess, going for. Um, big love for pedals and delays and reverbs and mm-hmm. stuff. So that was like a big mutual thing. And then just like. A lot of like a love for the Deftones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vin was basically we basically one, want to be a Deftones. Gord, kind of yeah. At this point, <laughs> when Gord, when Gord came out in 2016, Gordy and I were just like obsessed with that album. So we were just like writing riffs that were like we want to be like Deftones, but like do our own thing. So it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty collaborative. I think the the first EP for sure, the self titled, um, was a real just like mix of. Uh, Gordy and I writing riffs and then just mm-hmm. kind of a lot of the songs had been written or some of the riffs had been written with just Gordy and I and then with Jake on drums you know they kind of took a different shape as we you know got more dynamics and stuff added to it mm-hmm. but uh, uh, so what was that kind of like that vibe you were going for in those early because like listening through your catalog I've noticed that like a lot of that earlier like the earlier Vin stuff was much more post hardcore kind of influence not to say that like granule isn't but like I found that a lot of it was like a lot more a lot of the tones were a little more aggressive there was a lot more shouting and kind of the more dirtier vocals was that kind of what was that especially coming from other bands you played in was that kind of the what what you were initially trying to shoot for or um that sort of angsty stuff it it just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, and those those two EPs are definitely, uh, for me at least, on uh, on the darker side of things, mm-hmm. <laughs> without doubt. Like lyrically, they're dark songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so a lot of that angst came from that, and I don't know, granule. Uh, we kind of leaned away from that sound a little bit. Um, and I don't know, we matured, I guess, a little. From from when we were writing Granules, <clears throat> the parts of it that I was there for, I, I, rem- rec- I remember 
lyrically and musically, we're, we were making a very conscious effort, not necessarily to make a happy record, mm-hmm. but to make a lighter record, to make a hopeful record, to make something that's more melody forward. Uh, and Go- if you listen to the lyrics, Gordon makes lots of references to the sun, to the light, to growth, to healing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like the for the first two EPs, I, I, they're great. We still play that. Mm-hmm. When shows come back, we're still going to play that <laughs> stuff. Great stuff. But it was it was just very, uh, it's very it's a lot of self flagellation on it. At least the, from as an outside listener to it, that's kind of what I got from it. And then granules were very much trying to be a little more hopeful mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, I think adding on to that too, just like musically speaking, it's it's been a totally unconscious effort as far as our writing is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the first it just e- turned out that way. Yeah, you know, from the self-titled EP to Bloom to Granule, it was all just like, that's just the vibe we were rocking with. You know, like Bloom is like super heavy. Uh, you know, when, when Gordy and I like started this band, we were kind of saying we wanted to write heavy music in standard tuning. And mm-hmm. that's like still kind of what we stuck by. Um, and Bloom and Drop D, though. Drop D, yeah. I mean, we kind of went into the, the Drop D section, but... Uh, the whole idea was to just like try to write like heavy music in like you know it, you know a standard tuning that mm-hmm. most you know maybe heavier bands don't uh, don't do, um, and uh, yeah, just that that transition from the self-titled to Bloom to Granule was all just like over the course of four years as a band, a um, lot of writing. I mean, and a lot of a lot of styles that we all listen to and uh, you know have taken influence from as we've grown as a band and whatnot too. Um, it's just been a really just like natural progression into what granule is and the stuff we're writing right now is completely different from that. So it's going to be like going into the next direction is going to be like (laughs) real 180 for, for us. But, uh, that's what we like to do. We don't like to get old, kind of keep it fresh. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to stick with the standard. It's not going to be Vin picks up nine string instruments and. Well, I mean, <laughs> knuckle draggers. And I bought a five string bass. So. There's so a non possibility <laughs> that there might be gent vid. <laughs> Hell yeah! Here. I w- I wonder too because I I didn't really realize it until Wyatt. We're friends on Facebook, and over the last like uh, six ish months, you I just like seeing your like Facebook memory posts of like leading up to the release of the record. Just like they're like, hey, this didn't happen two years ago, but now it's happening now. <laughs> I wonder part of it if. Uh, this evolved as you like spent so much time like working on these songs. So like take me through the timeline of this record. Cause this is a record that uh, like you said on your social media. And then I've seen more personally, like it's something that has sat for a long time and you've spent a lot of time working on. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of these songs, some of the, these songs date back. Like, I mean, some of these ideas are like three, four years old. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's some riffs on the album that are, um, you know, I, I, I like to record on my computer a lot with uh, Logic and GarageBand and stuff, and I've got some riffs from Granule that date back to, yeah, like three years ago. Um, and a lot of the times it was like, you know, it's it's tough being in a band with everyone's schedules not aligning all the time. So, yeah, uh, you know, what time we did have a lot of the time was practicing for shows because we, you know, played pretty heavy amount of shows over the last number of years. Um, so you're kind of balancing that, like, writing and playing and practicing, keeping tight for shows and whatnot. Um, but then after Nick left, we didn't have a bass player. So that just led uh, Gordy, Jake, and I to just really like 
locked down and, and just write a ton of music. Uh, and like I said, like a lot of these ideas have just been kind of floating around in the background mm -hmm. for a while. Um, and so we just spent that time just really kind of honing them in and then and, and writing and mm -hmm. going from there. And, and maybe I wasn't in the room for the EP writing session, so you guys can correct me if this wasn't the case. But with Granule, with the exception of like a song and a half where the bass parts were basically just given to me, uh, the bass was written after the entire rest of the song was completed, save for vocals. So I was just... So um, I don't want to say it was inorganic, but it was because it wasn't. I actually really like writing that way because I approach my instrument as kind of color and mm. texture more as a lead thing. Like it wouldn't make sense for me in these songs to just be shredding all over the place. So, yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that was really, I don't even want to say the album was delayed. It just, it took as long as it took. Yeah. And there's, it was, you finished, sorry. No, I was just saying, and like trying to force something through, like, mm -hmm. especially for a debut record, it, it makes no sense to try and like, all right, we're just going to bang it out so we can have that record. Yeah. Yeah. We recorded 95% of the instrumentals in two days last July, mm -hmm. 2019. And then, you know, when, when the lyrics and vocals were ready and done, you know, we did them. And now the album's out. So you worked like you did studio time as like things were ready. So like, cause I was going to ask later you, cause you tracked this with Adam Tuckner at, is it signature mm -hmm. tone? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that if was all, really go to him. Um, <laughs> if, uh, and that was all done live, right? Yeah, the band yeah. cut it on the floor. 100% yeah, yeah. live, no clicks. Oh, wow. No yeah. No we, we spent, I mean, we spent like, uh, leading up, we, we recorded at the end of July of last year, and we spent that entire spring and like beginning of the summer, like just just hounding those songs. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. mm -hmm. we would come to practice, we'd play the whole album, take a break, play the whole album again. Next practice, do the same thing over and over again. So we really did spend a lot of time just locking in those songs and getting them as tight as possible. And and yeah, we did it with no click, and that is like all my <laughs> art, like the work of Jake. It's just like a machine. Jake is an unbelievable drummer. I mean, that dude. Yeah, yeah. Jake's incredible. Anybody I know, and he just, he really like, without like, Jake's like the glue that really holds like the band together, like as far as yeah. uh, his um, like timing and everything, it's just immaculate. So I think big part of that was like, just having, you know, we all practice together a ton, but by in part, like his individual practice really helped keep us all like on time and tight. He is mm -hmm. the metronome. We didn't need a click track because yeah. we have so mm -hmm. two, two quick tidbits about Jake. Uh, he really is one of those people where he does nothing but work and play drums. That's it mm -hmm. every single day. And I mean, I'm probably being hyperbolic, but he is super regimented. And I think Adam put on the grid with he put a click not into headphones but he just had one on mm -hmm. the grid when we were recording we looked at it lined up and i think we maybe got off by like an eighth note by the end of the song wow but jake is just yeah he's incredible and i think in that part too like tracking it live like that that's how we did that's how we've done all of our, our albums it's just been live 100 percent on the floor kind of thing um and I, and I think that just that just that's the style that works for us and so it worked on the mm -hmm. first EP, it worked in the second ep and so we were like why if it's not broken mm -hmm. uh, and that's how we practice you know we just that's what we do 
you know, we all practice individually, but that's, you know, how we get what we are. And, and I think w- with the live sound too, we kind of like that. Uh, it's not polished a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. there's a little, yeah. there's going to be some, maybe some tempo fluctuation, but if we're all on, then it's intentional. Um, mm-hmm. and it, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And tracking in a live room, it really allows us to recreate that same sound in a live like venue setting. Yeah. Cause there's always something like a little lame when you like, you hear something on a record and you're like, that's sick. And then you go watch the band live and either they, they can't do it just themselves or they have to like play some track here or there to like make up for it. And like tracks are fine, but like it's, it it doesn't feel as organic for lack of better words than, Mm -hmm. you know, them actually doing it. I think like the, off the top of my head, the only thing that wasn't live on Granule was that uh, on Exit Music, uh, Jason overdubbed an acoustic guitar okay. to add a, yeah. a little extra string. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a few moments like that. I mean, we retract some bass for Wyatt and just yeah, just to do yeah. so I could use four different basses on one song, yeah. just for, like little tonal things. Like, ooh, this fill is too bright on the original. Let me do it with a fretless. We're we're tone nerds like that. Yeah. But, 98% of the instrumentals on that album were first or second take live. Okay. So yeah. how how many, because you said you did all of the initial track, like instrumental tracking within like two days in the studio. How many times did you come back to do some other things? Like vocals was done another day and... <clears throat> vocals was done in what? Two days? Yeah. Yeah, I think you did it yeah. in a couple of single day sessions yeah, in a course a of like okay. four hours altogether, I think. Yeah, I remember I came in and did mine in like two hours the weekend after Memorial Day. You picked me up. Mm-hmm. We went down there. So that yeah. that's when it was pretty much finished. And I think you had a couple other things after that maybe, but that was pretty no, much was done. I think that was the final session. That was the final session. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Thursday right after Memorial Day. And that yeah. finished it. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about like the themes on this record. You mentioned a little earlier uh, that you wanted to write something a little brighter than like the self-titled and bloom something a little, I should mm-hmm. not less, maybe not brighter, but lighthearted. Um, I was just like listening through the record like the last week or so. And when you put it out now a, a month ago, almost to the day from when this interview is being recorded in October, the songs really like, they feel like they switch perspective between like like a first person kind of talking about their inner monologue and like almost other people reacting to that monologue. Can you talk to me just maybe that that could be just me mis- misinterpreting, but to talk to me about some of those themes. No, that absolutely. Um, that is that is a writing style that I like to put to use um, lyrically. Um, a lot of the lyricism is written from a first person's perspective and then given to a third person, uh, like in sunbursts, that's basically me talking to myself and then my parents' perspective as well. Mm. Um, or in, uh, granule, the self-titled track, um, that's totally from a parent's perspective. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what are like so is this kind of like a like one cohesive kind of narrative like record for you then? 
Uh, somewhat. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about that narrative you were trying to string through over those songs? So the narrative, it kind of, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of follows a character, be it myself or some fictional character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then struggles they've gone through and have kind of come out on top with the help of others, Okay, <laughs> I guess. Um the help of uh, certain important relationships in their life and how they've come out uh, yeah, and persevered through those uh, hardships. Yeah, it makes me think of, like, the, the closer song, Gaze, which really is a gay... Yeah, it's, it's Gazed, excuse me, um, which, like, f- like, given, like, how it opens with elation in some of those lyrics, like the old oh, brother, what have I done? And like some of that processing. And then it comes out to this like really anthemic, like sense of peace almost towards the end where like all the guitars, are, like tremolo picked, like open chords and just that, like those final lines. We, yeah. Like that'll wake you up when we're home and like stuff like that. Yeah, that, that song really came out as a, uh, that's definitely our um, our lighter anthem song. <laughs> <laughs> power ballad. The power, power ballad. Ballad. <laughs> no, it's cool. And, you know, it's funny too. Like the way the the songs were all strung up on the album was really just like they're not really in the order they were written by any regard either. We just kind of mm-hmm. was written pretty earlier in the process of the album writing, and it just like when we kind of had all the songs together, we're like. Yeah, this is the closer. Like this is just like a big, like epic kind of closing tune. Um, Feels like you're putting a period at the end of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we kind of just uh, we wrote them all, and and when we started just playing them in a certain order, it just like worked out that this is how we felt they should all feel on the album. And then lyrically, it all worked out in regard to that as well. It was really all just like kind of all fell into place for us. Gotcha. I do want to ask. Yeah. A... Oh, sorry, Wyatt. Go ahead. I think it probably helped us put in sequencing because the way we write, whether intentionally or just the way it worked out, was for the most part, the songs were completely 100% done as instrumentals before we even started to put vocals on them. Okay. Yep. So we, we, we already had this kind of the, the subconscious emotional flow of it, of just the music. And I'm guessing, Gordon, contradict me if this is not true, but I would guess that that would help Gordon then as he's crafting his narrative and his lyrics to know like, okay, we're kind of, this is the through line we're already doing and we can kind of match it up, but I don't know if I'm not in his head. I don't mm-hmm. know, but I, no, yeah. absolutely. I, uh, I certainly try to match the tone of the instrumentation with the lyricism and vocal style. Okay. All right. Uh, Gordon, are you like the sole lyricist then in the band? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so did you have like a, like a, you mentioned since Wyatt's talking about how all the instrumentals were done and you have this, like you wanted to match obviously the lyrics to the, the songs. Did you have this kind of arc in your head or at least this general idea of how you wanted this album to like play out thematically as you were going along or was it just we're it's, it's there, it's working. I'll just go for it. And it just kind of later came together. Um, somewhat both okay yeah (laughs) in a sense like uh 
I have my trusty notebook filled with lyrics, poems, what mm-hmm. have you, uh, free writing. Um, a few of the songs I actually wrote lyrically about two or three months after we recorded the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were just, I was kind of struggling to find words for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I I guess I did kind of have a general idea of what sort of narrative I wanted to give these songs and a general theme of the album lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was telling a story, mm-hmm. I guess. What songs were the ones you wrote after everything was tracked? Uh, Fever Dream and Exit Music for an Eclipse. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you have your third track on the record rivet is a, is an instrumental. Um, I wondered why you placed it where you like there, where you placed it. Cause usually when I think of like, uh, when I think of instrumental tracks or kind of, I don't want to say segue. Cause I guess when listening to your music, it's not like you're like doing chapters when you do like certain things. I was just wondering why, why so early in the album and why pick it there when sequencing that one, uh, was written at the same time as Sunburst, the song that falls after it. Mm-hmm. Um, old songs have a cable on the fourth fret. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, when we played them live, they would kind of naturally flow. Gotcha. Yeah, when yeah. playing those songs live, it just worked to do that because it was like, oh, we already have the cable on, let's just go on to the next <laughs> song. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think right there, uh, it is kind of interesting that we have like an instrumental track, like third song in, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of it is kind of like the intro segue to the next song sunburst so that was kind of like uh you know connecting mm-hmm. those songs together when that song ends sunburst begins um so that was uh you know why it was placed where it was it just kind of worked out and um i think you know again that we didn't really have a um it, all the songs lined up just the way they did that's just kind of how we we played them and we just liked how the order went mm-hmm. and uh, that's just that's just where it was placed and it ended up just remaining instrumental uh it, I, the title the working title for it was just jam <laughs> jam <laughs> jam i mean we all just like everybody's got like a solo in that song and like we're all just rocking so mm. it's just called it was just called jam <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, but it kind of when i was listening to the album it kind of works mm-hmm. that, uh, it's nine tracks it kind of feels like three acts the first three songs Tonally, not necessarily lyrically, but tonally, yeah, mm-hmm. are very bright, kind of poppy, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. And then you have the one, two, three of sunburst, quiet, and exit music, which are thematically and I think mood-wise far and away the darkest stretch of the album. Yeah, and then you kind of have the denouement where you're moving towards resolution with gays <laughs> and i don't think that was not intentional i don't think but it kind of just worked out that way yeah and uh, i like it did a lot of like the sequencing for the record come from you playing these songs live because you i only asked because you mentioned uh rivet goes into sunburst due to just like the, the fact that it's capoed fourth fret but did that kind of a lot of how that record gets sequenced come that way um somewhat somewhat uh definitely with rivet and sunburst mm-hmm. Yeah, this just went together so well, and it was so convenient with the uh, fourth fret capo. Um, Gazed, we definitely ended up closing a lot of sets with that. 
as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I think partially that one got segregated in live sets because it required Jason to switch to a seven string guitar. Okay. So we'd always end with it instead of having to switch back and forth in the middle of a set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to got to get got to get yourself a roadie to toss you guitars between. <laughs> That's the goal. The goal. <laughs> I mean, I when we were early on in writing this, I insisted upon using a bass six. Oh, nice! Yeah, right. It did not work. Uh, oh, so I, I suggest it was so bad. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awful. There were two or three shows where I was switching back and forth like every song. I was like, I want to be a real guitarist and play chords. <laughs> what what no. about what about the bass six? Didn't work for it. The it tone. Like shit. Okay, that, you know, if it if it sounds like garbage, it's not gonna work. Gotcha. Yeah, the, it did make it onto the record. Okay. Uh, in quiet, where it breaks down to after the first chorus, where it goes to kind of that slow build with the 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 the, co- the slow chords and Jake's just doing kind of the tom build up. Yeah. Those chords are a bass six. Nice. And then there, Jason and Gordon are doing the noodly stuff on top of it. Mm. So that's the only part I ended up using. Yeah. But like half of the record was written on a six, and then I realized <laughs> it sounds better on a four. Yeah. Um, with like the the time you spent, because it it seems like reading through the Facebook post, it almost sounded like with the the fact that it took the number of years it took to like get to releasing the record, and then over time, like recording it in stages. Did you find it hard coming back to some of this material over like? But you you guys like you you played enough out that it's not like you suddenly were like gone working on other things and then coming back to this record over and over again. Yeah, I mean we were playing these songs live. I mean the whole last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a a two week residency at Cadence last summer where we played uh, one show was our um, first two EPs mm-hmm. and then the next was we played uh, Granule, which wasn't even titled at the time. We just were like, let's just play the album because we. We had all the songs written, and um, yeah, we, we had the sequence. Yeah, we've been spreading them in our live set over the last year, and so um, yeah, I, we've just always stayed on top of them. And um, you know, it's funny putting out an album that's new to people who haven't you know really heard us before or heard our music before, and they hear this album for the first time. Uh, it's new music, but I mean, and this is the case with a lot of bands. I think it's it's old music to us now. You know, mm-hmm. we've been playing songs for so long. It's like. It's just it just feels good to finally have it out and, and like kind of end that chapter and then kind of now to move on to the next thing, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you're you put out the music video and the the sing, the lead single for the record Exit Music, um, in August if I'm remembering my dates right. I didn't write my my date down. Mm-hmm. Which was that was all, like all the footage for that shot while you were recording. That was the actual tracking session. Okay, we really were recording. <laughs> yep. that. I was wondering because I was like, "This seems like a cool playthrough," but also I'm like, "You guys are way too focused to be like just kind of vibing with the with the song you wrote." Yeah, no, we, we were actually recording. Okay, did you yeah. record most of the recording sessions then on uh, captured on video, or did you just like we want you you wanted to put out exit music as like a video like that, and you just brought in a film like a like a filmmaker adam actually did that just as part of his right for recording with him oh really uh, he didn't we didn't get every song but i know we got at least two or three others 
where the yeah. video exists that we might put out at some point. Okay. Yeah, Adam Adam just hit record on the console and then grabbed his camera and came out and just filmed us while we were tracking. Okay. Why why exit music out of all of the songs? Why not like either granule or something like that? What what about exit music stood out to you as a band to put out as kind of that lead single? I think it was it was different enough from our like other stuff. I mean like if people had seen us live over the last few years, they've definitely heard, you know, or the last year or so they've heard this song before mm-hmm. or whether they know it or not. Um, but I think it just felt like a good um, just kind of representation of what the new sound that we were kind of going with mm-hmm. on this album and like the direction that this album kind of was going with a lot more dreamy kind of vibey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, yeah, it just kind of felt like that would be the, the right way to, to, you know, promote the album at least. Yep, I would agree. Okay. Um, we're kind of coming into our last few questions here. So I was wondering um, what – unfortunately, you can't obviously put out a record when we can't play play shows or go and see live music. So what's kind of the, the, like the future goal for Vin? I know you're playing a live set with Trida later, but I don't know if this interview will come out in time for that. Um but what's kind of the future for Vin right now? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Writing. We're yeah. already we'll writing. Write another Jason has a ton of riffs and songs that he's been working on. And <laughs> okay. By the time we yeah. finish the dang thing, shows will be back. <laughs> Just... yeah, be close to another album by the time we're able to play again. But uh... yeah. And then finally, where can people find Vin online to listen to your music and stuff like that? Get connected with y'all. Yeah, we're on uh, all of the streaming platforms. So we're on uh, Spotify. Um, I think you can find us on Apple Music, but we're lumped in you with can. Japanese uh, like hip-hop. anime rapper. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you go into any streaming platform and if you type in Vin Granule, it'll come up. Yep. Yeah, we're there. We're also on Bandcamp. If you want to give us money, yeah. <laughs> Bandcamp preferably. Yeah, Bandcamp preferably. Awesome. Well, Wyatt, Gordon, and Jason, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me here on this uh, Saturday morning. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you so you much. Have, you have very good questions. These are these are very the Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode, please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>